Hello and welcome to another Manaxman Army List podcast for Art de la Guerre. This time I'm of course again joined by Richard and Dave and this week we're looking at a pair of lists or possibly even more than a pair of lists. You'll find out later what I mean by that as we look at lists number 99 and 98 as we dive into the classic great face-off of British history. No, I don't mean Blur versus Oasis. We're actually talking the ancient Britons and that other list that follows it that is the Scots, the Caledonians, the Picts and all sorts of other people from north of the border in two of the more unloved but very well-known armies in Art de la Guerre. Sit back and enjoy the podcast. This means war. Well, welcome to yet another eclectic list podcast from um i've got get regular guests here um dave hello how are you doing hello. from north london good, good, good. fantastic and richard from even further north um although still london-esque which is good and um we're all ready to um to delve into some of our trot through some of the famous but maybe not so popular which is probably a euphemism for not so good lists in the art de la guerre book and this time we've given ourselves another, I think last time we had a match pair, the French and the English from the Hundred Years' War. This time we've got sort of, well, I'm not even sure it's a pair, it might be four different things really. But but what we've chosen to do for you this week is to look at um, a couple of the lists in the Great Britain section, which is basically 98 and 99. Um, as we do sit here in, in Britain, um, <laughs> the, the stuff about... Boudicere or Boudicca and, and all that kind of stuff and and the bits with the picks north the border impelling the Romans it is a classic bit of ancient British or British history but these lists are not necessarily among the the most popular ones in the book they're they're sometimes a bit one-dimensional and, and sometimes it's kind of everybody's got one but but you kind of drift into a using them as ghouls and getting heavy infantry and make it a bit better or, or something like that so so we thought we'd look at these two lists 98 and 99 and see what we could pick out of them um but i think it, well i think there's even a question is this really two lists or is this actually four um from from the way they put together um i don't know what, what do you guys think because it's because that list 99 the caledonians irish scots and pictish has has three different sections um and no common troops at all, which is which is unusual. Yeah, I, I think there's a good argument for splitting it into three separate lists. And I think the Caledonians are really there to represent um, the early period. And they aren't really very different from the ancient British. They're, they're another British tribe that were based in what is modern modern day uh, Scotland. Um, but after the Romans had defeated the Brigantes in, in sort of roughly Yorkshire and, and Cumbria, they moved on up and, and uh, had a couple of battles with the Caledonians, which were, uh, well, they, they could win battles, they couldn't win the war. Whereas the Irish Scots and Pictish are perhaps fit better with the Romano-British and the Saxons. They're really armies uh, representing the so-called barbarian conspiracy in, in about 370 AD and then on into the 5th and 6th centuries. Yeah, it, it is odd, isn't it? Um, that, that Caledonian list, you're, you're absolutely right. Looking down it, 
that could easily be part of the ancient British list, couldn't it? Um, you know, add in the Atticotti, take out um, some of the levy, things like that, and, and give an option for mountains as an extra terrain type. And you've you've pretty much got it there, haven't you? Um, yes. In, in some ways. And those were the two which actually fought the Romans proper up until, I think it says 83, 84, um, 84 AD. And, and I guess what, what happened then? Hadrian's Wall and, and nobody ever went over it again? Well, eight, 84 is the subjugation, I think, of the of the Brigantes. And um, then you have the Battle of Mons Graupius, which is the Romans against the Caledonians. Um, Hadrian's Wall, uh, the Stangate, which is the Roman road that's several miles south of Hadrian's Wall, was built about that period and links the east and west coast and was used by Romans for supply. Um, when Hadrian comes in, he, he decides that the empire needs to stop expanding. And that's, I think that's around about 120 that work on the, on the wall begins. You then have a period a bit later under uh, where the Antonine is wall, wall is built, um, you know, a bit, a bit further north. Um, but it's essentially the tribes north of the walls um, are, you know, certainly under Roman influence, but and remain pretty similar mil militarily, but, but aren't actually ruled by the Romans. Whereas uh, all the tribes south of the wall are, are, under, are part of the Roman province. Under the Roman um, yoke, and, and these are all armies, or, or these these early two are very much armies that the chariot was either a sort of psychological or a real um, weapon of war against the Romans. Um, certainly, that Mons Grampius battle has got got chariot elements to it, and there's other you know, different, more kind of charities thing. Um, what's what's your guys' views on on chariots? Because in other sets of rules, they've been you know hampered cavalry um i guess in adlg they're they're a little bit closer to being cavalry um than perhaps in in previous sets of rules in terms of how they function um you know maybe that's maybe that is a function that of how the terrain rules work and make it easier to get terrain off the table so that you do get ground over which you know they're they're not massively disadvantaged through going into rough ground but you know i like chariots or like chariots of this type something that you guys have used or, or, or had a had a go at or i think these norman these northern chariots are obviously quite distinct from the uh the sort of egyptian ones with with the archer you know here you've got a warrior with with a javelin um, a lot of debate how much fighting was done from the chariot versus the warriors leap, leaping off and fighting how much you might have light infantry supporting them. Um, you know, we've really just, I think we've just got basically Caesar's description from his invasion in, in 55, 54 BC and, and Tacitus. They're, they're the main descriptions of the chariots and they mainly talk about them charging backwards and forwards from, from left to right and making a lot of noise, but not having necessarily a great military impact. I think they, they upset the Romans more than anything because they'd never really met them before as such. So, you know, Julius Caesar says they were a, a surprise troop they'd never sort of seen. But as, as Richard says, I think it's more guys rushing up on chariots, jumping off, throwing javelins, 
exposing their genitals and jumping back on and running right. away. <laughs> so it's kind of a, an ancient British Hannah mag um, in, in some ways. They will kind of jump out and and it's a debate as to whether they would have ever fired from undercover and, and done that. Then. Well, you know, I think that's, it, it's an area or an era of history that is kind of well known, but I think it is one where the lists are less looked at than the history. So maybe that's kind of the best thing to do is to, is to dive straight into the list. Now we've got a number of, of ancient British lists and a couple of lists from the Caledonian, Irish, Scots and Pictish um, uh, list multi-list to to have a look at but um what we're going to do now is is just have a quick flick in order in, in sort of sequential order at, at some of the ancient british lists this means war. here's the first one um this was a a list that I used a few years ago, actually, and I think it was actually driven by the fact that I've just collected a lot of chariots um, in my time. You know, that's the the Phil Barker legendary ancient British Panzer Division that that used to be um, might even have been a pre DBM thing. Was it a fifth or sixth edition thing when when ancient British chariots were were superb under one particular set of rules and and buying chariots? There's a number of different companies who make them, and and I ended up going through a phase of sort of buying four of each. And then suddenly finding out that I owned quite a lot of them as a result of that. Um, and, and so this was just really in a, a one day, three game competition um, in sort of a tight classical theme. And I thought, well, why not give this a go? Because if it's rubbish, I've, I've only wasted a day of my life. And, and it's very rare to get all what 16 or so chariots onto table. So, so this was taking the, the Cassiavella analysis um, option in which you change all of the warriors to, to light chariot, you end up with no pedestrians at all. And, um, and it works surprisingly well, um, particularly in a, a classical period. And I think what I, I found out or, or realized from putting it on the table two or three times was that an awful lot of those classical era armies um, have, have kind of a couple of very common things. They have a very ploddy infantry center that needs to engage the enemy and, and win a war of attrition. And they actually only ever have, you know, three, four cavalry or, or three cavalry and a couple of light horse on a wing and, and stuff like that. And, and that's not very many. And, and when they're all in period and they're all matched up against each other, that's fine. You know, your, your three companions overrun your two Roman horse and, and there's a bit of spear supporting or something like that. And, and that's kind of what happens, but you drop a list like this into them that can sit there with first command coming out with an ordinary general, two light horse with javelin, two light infantry with javelin. Um, that's doing nothing. That doesn't tell anybody anything. It, it just pops around and, and and doesn't give anything away when you're deploying it. And then what you're um, dishing out next is is actually ten chariots um, of which a a good number of elite. You've got four of the normal light chariots can be upgraded and then four of the warriors can be upgraded so you get eight in total and an elite light chariot is an elite medium cavalry which really elite medium cavalry is is pretty much as good as or nearly as good as ordinary heavy cavalry but but if you look at it in that way and said here's a command with six ordinary heavy cavalry in it and seven other things four of which 
you know, you, you can almost downgrade them one each time and say four light chariots is is better than four light horse by by quite some way. Um, the shooting, uh, well, no, there isn't shooting, but that, so that's sort of irrelevant. But but what I found was that this army with with this second command of six elite, four ordinary, and three more light horse, that's overwhelming someone's flank. And even the um, the piece about evading, you've got so many troops and so many groups here that you can actually risk evading with a few and getting caught you know that because it's not catastrophic and and somebody pushing all their cavalry forwards catching you they suddenly find themselves in the middle of 10 chariots maybe they caught a couple of them and then the rest of them just kind of mug them and and take them down and then that that final command of six light chariots three light horse is is again um that is better than most people's cavalry wing never mind the other bit so so i found out that particularly with the strategist giving loads of extra command he's moving that around in three groups maybe even four you know you're using five or six commands in some ways um with this all of which most people's heavy foot have got no target um not a lot of people have archery um, very, very few have archery in in that sort of classical period. And getting a fairly open terrain just gives you an awful lot of stuff that that can evade, can come back. You know, you evade with three, you leave two, somebody charges forward, you're in their flank and and, and you chew them up. And and actually, not only was it very, very effective, it it was almost one of those um things that you could sort of feel a bit guilty about because it was it was sort of almost impossible to play against because there wasn't anything to to get to grips with or or even even to imagine that you could get to grips with i, I think a, a couple of my opponents were a little bit disheartened because you know there, and there is the option of the ancient british and using it with, with something similar to this but sticking with those those eight impetuous swordsmen at least when they're on table you imagine that you can get hold of them um but but this option suddenly it's like people realizing that their infantry center was was going to be doing nothing at all so you know and again casting this army in a slightly different light there are very effective ways of using the early Achaemenid persians um is it the early or the the later Achaemenid persians which is almost all medium cavalry and it wins by overwhelming people having width and bullying their their light troops and in some ways this is actually almost the same um other than you know the cavalry are on square bases and and have got wheels so i i actually found this a very very effective army especially in period i'd i'd say it is i, I mean it's it's a very very different army than anyone will ever normally face i mean start off saying it's very very accurate to the army of castlevanius so you know this is where a roman army was facing a lot of chariots and nothing but chariots <coughs> so we're talking about this um, it's got fairly high initiative. I think it's three, isn't it? Yeah, there's, so, there's all the um, light horse in there. You know, you're you're going to get a good look at where your enemy is. I mean, if you put down the the, type, the ordinary general with the two light horse and two javelin, you're going to get an extremely good look at where your enemy is. I presume you're going to take a road and a tiny weeny little field. You know exactly. And I, the other thing I found was you know, your opponent isn't expecting anyone to take this option, so. In a in a three game competition in a single day, by game three, 
people had heard about it and were, were aware of it. But but the first two games, you've got your opponent is trying to clear out of the ter- clear the terrain off the table as well, because they're expecting you know sixteen impetuous medium foot and and they want to engage them in the open and ride them down. Whereas you drop this on table and suddenly it's a little bit awkward. They've they've participated in your plan. Um, you've kind of wrong footed them before you start. Yeah, I mean, but the other thing, I mean, I think you need the initiative. You need to win the initiative because you need to get across the table quickly because you are going to be evading. I mean, one, one of the problems with ADLG when we first began was we were like, bloody hell, your light horse get charged and they run back off the table. So you're going to have to be very, very clever in the way you manoeuvre your troops to make sure that they have exits, that they don't run off the table, as I say. Um, but I think you, need, you can go forward, pin things. You know, if that strategist goes forward and pins a group of, say, if the enemy's six, you're going to get four chariots running round the flank. I presume that's the, the, tip, the trick is to get round behind the enemy here. Um, enter, you could use this tiny weenie art command to entertain a block of infantry, just keep them plodding across the table doing nothing while you try and overwhelm. As you say, I mean, six medium cavalry on one wing and then another, you know, what effectively 10 on another. Ten. It's just <laughs> ordinary, isn't it? The one thing uh, you yeah. don't do is strategists in the middle of the table evading and evading. And ending up running straight back off his own back edge. No, no, very definitely. So, you know, and I think some of it is about playing the trick and um, and catching people out. And and I think if people do know about it, it becomes slightly different. They do start putting different terrain down. Um, but but again, you know, even if you're playing a two list version um, competition, the the odd one. You know, there are obviously very other different ways of, of doing it. Um, Richard, what you know, if you're thinking about driving a Roman or a classical army against this, what what are you thinking when this drops down in front of you? Well, first, I, I, just a quick comment. I, I think it it's one of those attested times where we've got a barbarian as a strategist, and it's because Cassivellaunus faced Julius Caesar in 55 and saw the war band getting butchered. So when Caesar comes back this time, he sends the infantry away and, and just keeps the chariot. So, you know, that's that is the mark of a of an outstanding general to completely change your army from one campaign season to the next. I mean, I, I think what what you have to I mean, obviously it depends what you've got, but your your basic plan is going to be a mixture, I think, of um trying to keep pushing the enemy off the table and to the degree to which you've you've got it using your own mounted not to actually attack the enemy but to try and get behind some part of it so that your heavy infantry can actually contact because that contact if they ever manage it the heavy infantry ought to butcher the medium cavalry fairly quickly. So it's just a question of can you, um, and so I guess, you know, one thought would be if you're facing ancient British is to go for forest or mountain so that there's more difficult terrain on the table. 
because neither the medium infantry nor the chariots will particularly like forests and steep hills. Yeah, no, no, I, I suppose so. But um, but I think when you're fighting ancient British, you do have that thing of I want to clear the table so that that Absolutely. my heavy infantry and my my charging cavalry can can do them yeah. over. So no, but it it's a really interesting um interesting army to take and playing it was a real thought experiment and, and it, was, it was really an odd experience for the people i was playing as well so i think starting with kind of the most left field the the phil barker's ancient british panzer division and um and being delighted to discover that it actually worked no i think it i think it is an outstanding choice yeah no, i'd say one well. thing is not for the beginners <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very difficult army to use and to master that one. But in its well, you know, up, up to a point, up to a point. But I think there is, you know, there's an extent to which it's it's a kind of one or two trick army, and yeah. once you've worked out those one or two tricks, it it becomes a bit more straightforward. But it's, um, yeah. it's a very very tricky one to um, to beat. This means war. Well, look, here's our second one, um, and this is 61 AD, Dave. I think I believe this is one of yours, and um, and you've gone with um, you've gone with a Roman ally as well, because I guess the Romans got involved in in quite a lot of these tribal squabbles um, on on one side or the other. Um, Twenty six units, um, ordinary, brilliant, ordinary. I, I guess there's no strategist if the Romans are fighting for you as well, fighting with you. Um, so so talk us through it, how you put it together, and and how you see it working. Um, well, I mean, it's first of all, it's quite a large army, 26. It's got, I mean, with this ancient British army, it, it's very demands. Yeah, you, everybody goes and goes, oh, put that Roman army, Roman ally in there to give you some stiffening up. That's the main thing. Um, first commands three chariots, elite, and a horseman. I think that goes down first. This standard sort of micro command, stick it in the middle of the table, get a look at the enemy. Um, and hopefully it can manoeuvre on itself to get to where it wants to be at some point. Then you've got a very, the brilliant generals there to control and hold on to the swordsman uh, in the centre of the army, and hopefully be able to manoeuvre the, the light horse. I think what you're going to have the brilliant general sitting with the warriors at the centre of the table, trying to control them, because they're going to be giving it, Give themselves an obvious target then what i want to try and do is use the roman ally in combination with the micro command of chariots so what i want to try and bring to bear here is the light chariot elite and then get the heavy cavalry combined with them to stiffen them up okay so okay. you're using that on one flank there right so the romans are driving down the middle then i guess and yeah, I'm, except, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting the Romans to come straight down the middle of the table trying to get into my medium swordsman. And mm. I'm going to use my pips, my command points, to get to combine up my light horse, my chariots, and my heavy cavalry to try and do some damage with that and try and hold with the legionaries and the warriors, I think. Okay. So which, which one are you sticking in the centre of your three commands here, then, if the, the light chariots right, are combining right, right. with the Romans? I'd stick down the chariots in the centre of the table first of all. Okay. Wow. I'm, I think they're going to manoeuvre first, and I'm 
I'm going to tr- do what we do with the Byzantines and try and, if I get the pips, if I get a nice strong dice roll of those in order in general, I think they're going to turn and shoot off to go somewhere where they're better suited to be, is my hope. And then I can use the brilliant general to manoeuvre into the centre of the table if it's possible to become the, you know, the the, the medium swordsman yeah. impetuous are not bad. You know, you've got four elite guys. If they win their combat, they still got a um, double hit on the first go. Um, I, I played um, Simon Leray Mayo and we were using Romans against um, ancient British and his medium swordsman actually ended up beating my legionaries. So there is an, there's a possibility they can do some good. Yeah, once once they get elite, they do become quite pokey, don't they? It's, um, you, you know, there's that thing of, I'm not going to throw them at heavy infantry, but actually they're as good in first round combat as as the heavy infantry versions, aren't they? As long as they don't yeah. take any... Any shooting on the way in, and you've got three light infantry javelin to screen them, which is pretty decent. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of light horse there, so I'm trying to want to try and, you know, if it's possible, I'm going to sort of use the general to hold the warriors in one place, while he uses his pips to manoeuvre those light horse out to combine with the light chariots. You've got three light chariots and four light horse, and then the light horse can maybe get round the back or something, or the light chariots elites are going to combine up with the heavy cavalry from the Roman ally to try and give you a bit more stiffening up there. Um, yeah. And, and then you've got one auxiliary in there, which is useful in some terrain at some point. And I guess the other good thing is you're using 84, you're um, the Roman ally, you're um, using early Imperial. So this is like proper square shield, um, yeah. you know, textbook Romans as well. It's a good chance to get some of those on table. Um, Richard, what, what are you thinking looking at this one? I think um, what's nice about it is it's a it's a fairly chunky size, so you're going to have quite a lot of width across the table. Um, the, the Romans allow you to you know to support either you know either to stiffen the chariots or to extend the line of the impetuous swordsman. Um, you know, both of which are quite, quite nice features. Perhaps unlike Dave, I would be more tempted, I think, to put the light chariots on a wing. But as he says, there's nothing to stop. It's so small, you could quite handily deploy that in the centre and immediately move it off uh, to the outside of the Romans. And that can be quite disconcerting for an opponent when you do that, because they're, you know, they've, they've already made their plan. And now you've just spoiled it for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, and, there's... You know, it's so. I, I think. I think with all these sort of uh, sort of armies, it is about trying to get your opponent off balance. Because what these armies, with the medium swordsman, impetuous, or the light chariots, they're very good if they can be the one doing the strike. They're not so good if they get pressed into a long war of attrition because they don't have the armor and they've only got three cohesion. So it's all about jab, 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 rather than just standing toe to toe and slugging it out. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. And and it is easy to underestimate, you know, you it's just that feeling that those eight medium swordsmen are squishy, but but actually they're okay. And there's, there's eight of them. There's three legions and auxiliary, that's up to 12, two heavy cavalry, 14, you know, three chariots there, 15, 16, 17, you've got, you get them in the right place. You've got a frontage of 17 that is yeah. 
is actually perfectly capable of, of standing up, particularly as those light chariots are elite. You know, my my theory being that's nearly heavy cavalry um, or, or sometimes yeah. arguably better than heavy cavalry. Um, I, uh, yeah, I guess my army previously obviously had a 45 camp. Um, I, I do wonder if this is one of those armies that benefits with it. But this one, I think you're quite front foot. But um, but if your chariots are moving out the middle, whether whether you've actually got the manoeuvrability and and squeezing in a forty five camp might be better. Um, but good point. What would you drop out? In a I think a forty five camp is a very valid idea. I mean, but as you say, I mean, you've got two two ways of fighting this army, going with um, twelve wide infantry, you know, which is all impetuous or impact or trying to combine up three elite medium cavalry in essence, three chariots and the two heavy cavalry to become a five, a decent cavalry force of five, which as you say is unusual. And you've also got um, four light horse in there. So you can play it in two different ways depending on, you know, the way, what, what, what you're up against. You yeah, can and, and actually, I, whenever I've looked at it, I guess because I own a lot of medium infantry swordsmen, um, I've always tried to kind of either do a lot of that or a lot of chariots, but, but using the Romans, I, I've sort of skipped over, but that does give it a decent infantry center. And, and I guess you could drop some of them from elite or, or drop the armor and have four of them. And, and that's actually a decent, center as well isn't it um with with those other warriors so all sorts of different ways of doing it very interesting this means war this means war so look dave that was um that was your list with the roman ally now Richard, you've also pulled together an ancient British list. Um, I think looking at this first glance, firstly, bloody hell, it's enormous. But secondly, well done to us for getting the three different ways of putting this list together. They're all quite different. But but you've somehow managed to get initiative four and 31 units, which is um, which is spectacular. Are you sure there's not another spreadsheet error in this one, like there was in the 100 Years War one? No? I don't believe so. Because don't believe you so. Get... It's enormous. It's great. Yeah. Yep. You get two points for the strategist and two points for six light yeah. horse. No, that's great. That's good. No, I meant more the 31, though. That's that's an enormous amount. But so you've got a nine, an eight, and a but four. Two of them aren't mediocre levy. <laughs> true, 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 true. Um, but look, tell us how your nine, eight, and 14 gets put together and how you use it. So this is based on um, Boudicca's Rebellion in 61 uh, AD. I think probably a lot of people know the history behind that. If not, please go look it up. Um, so my, you know, a brief originally was you're going to be fighting other sort of British or Roman armies. And I thought, well, you know, how, how does a Roman army hurt this kind of army? And it's by shoving uh, a good heavy infantry um, command up the middle um, and, and, and crushing all before it. So my thought was, I will deploy a skirmishing command um, in the middle. So I've gone for six light uh, light cavalry javelin and two light chariots. Um, the idea being that the light cavalry javelin pull back in front of the enemy, whether that's cavalry or um, infantry, 
but if they pursue too far, then the light chariots would be able to strike them on the flank as, as they come forward. So because that prevents the light horse having to eventually get pushed off the table. So that's that's behind uh, that second command. And I went for um, the foot. So the, the first command essentially has an included general, six wide, medium impetuous swordsmen, um, three skirmishers to screen it, with the idea that that might actually flank march. Um, if, if the if depending on what the terrain was like, or that I would hope to be able to deploy it and drift it out towards a wing, or maybe start it in a plantation, so that it would go up one wing while core two kind of entertains a big chunk of the enemy. Core three then is is a similar kind of thing. But here, the idea would be to run the two light horse and the two light chariots very quickly right down the edge of one table and then turn them to threaten while the warriors come on frontally to stop your opponent responding to that flank threat. And, you know, then you're up to the dice gods. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess it, it's one of those things that we keep thinking about. You know, you, there is that focus on the heavy infantry and the cavalry strike force, but but rough terrain, six medium impetuous swordsmen in rough terrain is kind of going to be better than most things it's going to meet in rough terrain, isn't it? It's just that magic yeah. magic number and, and with a couple of light infantry to to give them even extra width and extra overlaps. That's quite quite handy um, to to do it as well. Um, I don't know, Dave. What, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, Would you enjoy it, using this? I think I think it'd be really good fun. I think it'd be crazy fun. Um, I think the idea of eight light horse javelin is really. I mean, I've gone strong on the light horse javelin because I think they're actually quite a potent part of this army, especially in combination with the chariots. Um, I think that that's an interesting scenario. I think they can zip off together. I think you know. If you put six light horse down one flank, okay, they're going to run, have trouble against some heavy troops, but they're going to, some of them are going to get behind the enemy. That's, that's the one thing you want to do there. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting is having the strategist in Boudicca is you're going to have three ambushes, and I think ambushes are going to come in quite handy with this army. You know, if, you, if you've got um, a plane with some plantations, you can hide even a few medium infantry and things like that in it, especially when you've got a 31 point arc, 31 base army. You know, if you threaten an enemy with a flank march and three um, ambushes, yet again, you know, something might just get up, be springing out of an ambush, which is a surprise here. Yeah, that's, that's the thing with this army. What, what terrain, um, Richard, do you see? Because there's, You've got still light horse who need to get around, but they don't need that big a gap to get <laughs> to squirt through. Um, what is there a sort of terrain strategy that goes with this? I I think given the large number, I, I think I would probably I might actually be tempted to defend and then go for um, you know maybe a couple of plantations, a plantation on a hill, and a couple of fields. Because um, I've still got, with the strategist, I can still move one piece. But actually, I'm not, 
I'm, it, it's more to upset my opponent. I, I don't really care. Again, with 31, I think I wouldn't be too tentative. I, I think you've got to pile on the psychological pressure on your opponent because uh, it is about keeping them off balance with because ultimately, um, as I say, if you get in, drawn into too much of a stand-up fight, he'll probably wear you down. So you've got to force him into making mistakes. That's true. Actually, I've, I've played, um, not against an ancient British army, but one of those um, sort of, is it Bajor or something like that? One of those Arab armies that has enormous yeah. numbers of, of troops and impetuous swordsmen, I think came with the camels. But but one of the commands in that, I really remember, was six light horse um, as well, which looks a bit powder puff, but until you see them on table, you realise they're going to outnumber you and, and be in your flank. And, and well, what that, was very effective was... Um, was 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 very effective was um putting down a um a river and you know if you put down a river psychologically that's normally brilliant we both narrowed the table down by you know whatever it nearly a foot but the six light horse started the other side of the river and and just ran alongside it and turned and you're suddenly going oh i've got an on table flank march of six wide that i've got to do something about and if i just leave them they'll be in the back of my army and because you psychologically put that river in a, yeah, that's all gone um, kind of box. Um, and, and you've tested for it the minute you put it down. So you know how how difficult or easy it is. And it, it was just a very easy command um, to to do an on-table flank march with as well. I think a river's a really good idea. Really good idea. I, I think that's right. And I think, as you said earlier, in this sub-period, um, there isn't a lot of shooting. And actually, six light horse javelin can, can be, you know, because you can still have them double doubled up on a frontage of three, and they're throwing, you know, if you're facing pikemen or something like that, they're suddenly throwing <laughs> some quite nasty firepower uh, in, into the opponents, um, no, and true. their sheer breadth makes it quite hard to get round. It's much harder to get round six than it is to get round two or three. <laughs> absolutely yeah no I, again i think um i looking at the list i'd still i do like the fortified camp with this one um yeah and, and you could easily drop a, a light horse javelin yeah yeah there's a couple of light horse that you could play about with and um and possibly and then that would maybe get you your your two elite warriors into command three as well um and then you'd only be 30 terrible um, how grim would that be um but no it's it's a really interesting thing at that point about throwing a lot of train down just to mess up the enemy and then you actually don't really care about it is is quite an interesting way of looking at it um as well this means war Okay, well, look, that's covered the um, the ancient British in three different, very different ways of using it. And now we flick on to number 99, the the, the three list, one list army. And um, Dave, um, which one of the armies is this one <laughs> that you've got up here, here on screen? This, this is actually Pictish. This is Pictish, right. Okay. This is Pictish in the three. I, I, one of the things you were saying earlier, I think our, our Scottish listeners might be upset when you try yeah. to make the Caledonians uh, part of the ancient British. <laughs> yeah, true. We might be defying it for exit there, but um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so this is ancient Pictish. Um, 
it's got the Saxon alloy. That's what's made it really interesting. I guess this is slightly out of period because we're going to have to be a lot later. I've, I put it in as 450 AD. I think that's about roughly around the right time. Um, when, when, just, just, just jumping part. actually out, jumping out of that for a question then. The Pictish army, if that was a separate list, what date line would that be? Because well, it, it goes from way before BC up to. Right. You know, okay. quite a way. So the, the Pictish continues throughout this whole timeline, then it's not, um, these aren't sort of sequential, the Caledonians, the, the Scots, and the Picts. Well, I'd say the Picts are around, I mean, historically, not in terms of the rules, but they're around until the um, Vikings appear in Scotland. But they would so have started it, contemporaneous with the Romans and the, the ancient Brits. It, yeah. In Roman times, you've got essentially the Caledonians in what, the south of what is today Scotland and the Picts in the north. Yeah. Uh, and right. then in the 5th century, the Scots, which are actually an Irish tribe, emigrate from Ireland to modern-day Scotland. And, and then through the Saxons have taken over what is today Lothian. Um, that's part of the North Anglian uh, kingdom. And you then have a, a series of wars which culminate in about the ninth century with a Scots-dominated kingdom beginning to form over modern Scotland. Okay, so the, the actual question then is about the Scots or Irish, whether that list would actually go, well, it might go back as far as the Romans, but no one ever went to Ireland and that's where they were at that sort of point in time then. And But they came into Scotland in the, the fifth century. Right, okay, a bit of potted history. But no, Dave, sorry, back back to this one. Okay, so I think, yeah, the, the, the army's stiffened up with the Saxon ally having the impetuous heavy swordsman. So I think they've got to naturally go down the centre of the table as a proper war band, and their job is just to steam forward and try and do as much damage. And then I'm going to use command one, which again, I've you know, used as a tiny little command, because you've only got command of two here, you need to have the brilliant general to get something in control and manoeuvring. So I think a micro command makes sense. And I think that jo the job of that two light chariot elites and two light horses just to dick around on one flank and try and slow the enemy. Or, as we said in previous ones, is to zip around on its own and come steaming into where it can be most useful. Or make itself a, a flank march. You know, you've got a 27 sized army you it's easy to have a flank march of four of that army i think a flank march if it's optional in this space is a good idea actually then you've got the brilliant general commanding his impetuous swordsmen and spearmen the interesting one with this is eight medium spearmen uh medium spearmen are a little bit of a tragedy in this set of rules i'd say mm. especially if you end up in the open and when you've got to have eight of them I think giving them the missile support is a non-negotiable decision. You've got to give them something to make them slightly better. And the missile support makes them slightly better. Um, so I yeah. think they're going to go down. And, and then the general's going to try and manoeuvre and use his medium swordsman impetuous elite as a, as a fighting force. So you want to try and get them combined up with the Saxons. Or maybe the general just manoeuvres them on their own round the flank. Um, light horse is useful to break things down. And you've got enough light foot in there to protect your medium infantry from shooting and things like that, I'm hoping. Yeah, there's a few. I, did you get the feel when you're doing this that, you know, something we've always talked about, digging into this list, you actually thought, 
actually there there is something here or or was this one kind of look i've, I've got to pick a list here this feels a bit like damage limitation um you know did, did you sit here thinking yeah I, I i'd like to try and make this work um i i think the i mean i think it'd be as some of these armies we're, we're doing in this podcast it's more of a challenge to yourself to how you're going to play this army and you, you can it's not the sort of army you you sit go down the club and play every week until you learn it so it's something you might be taken to a competition to learn on the job as such and the interesting one with this is can you learn to use those medium spearman missile supports do they work that's the challenge that that would be the fun with this list is what what the hell are they eight medium spearman missile support that's an interesting troop type a hell of a lot of them and how are they going to work because in theory they've got a lot of maneuver actually yeah. so you may you know i think it might be a competition where you start going well that didn't work let's try this time you may because yeah, i'm because I'm, I'm sort of looking at it um and thinking you know from what you're describing shoving the saxons down the middle that does put your light chariot sticky about on the other flank but you are at 27 and then your central commander's got 12 combat troops in it there um whether I'd be almost tempted to take three of those Pictish warriors out of that central command, yeah. which still leaves you with nine, <laughs> which is enormous to run down a flank and do so on, and just throw them in that first command because it then creates, it's maybe not necessarily the best um, bulwark or, or anchor or whatever, but even if they die, um, it, it you've got something that you can throw at the enemy that they have to beat or have to do something about that just takes a little bit longer to allow your saxons to get in and, and allow your 11 strong you know we're overwhelming you on a medium medium terrain flank um forced to do it a bit better because i think it almost feels like 12 is too many and, and throwing three as a bit of a speed bump on the other flank might just make that swing round um on one flank um, approach work even better I, I think i tend to agree with that i mean when i'm looking at the list i'm thinking Eight medium spearmen altogether is a bit of a weird one. I think you, 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 it's almost tempting to just use them like you'd use javelin men. Although mm. obviously they obviously don't shoot, but use them just for their manoeuvre speed. Yeah. To in combination with the cavalry. Um, so, yeah. you know, if, if you can get four of them running down a flank on their own as fast as they possibly can, they could possibly do a lot of damage. Yeah, someone's got to deal with them, haven't they? Richard, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think the other thing to remember in, in this period, if you're facing a lot of troops like Romans that a lot of the time don't have impact mounted, that actually a medium spearman in the open with missile support is, is actually quite a tough prospect for an ordinary heavy cavalry, um, particularly if the line is longer than yours and you're worried about your flank. Um, so... I think your idea of taking three off, because it was going to be one of my comments that your main strike really is the Saxons. And I would be a bit worried that only having two light chariots to cover their flank is, is not really enough. But if you took the three Pictish warriors off and put it with that, and I think I would actually reverse where the general is. I'd include the Saxon general because you really want that one to break through and possibly not include, particularly if you've put the Picts with it, not include then the general with the smaller British command. Um, 
And given the fact that all of your terrain types are difficult, I might be tempted to try and take more light foot. Very true. Yeah, because there's, is there, um, there's eight of them, isn't there? Not really you're allowed, light foot, and, um, you're allowed, actually. <laughs> I think you've got eight, possibly. You've got four javelin and four bow, so... Um, and then obviously the ones in the Saxon Ally. So yeah, you could you could squeeze in four light infantry javelin, um, javelin possibly as well. Yeah. That that might boost it. But but yeah, you're still you are still working around that eight spearman minimum, and then you do want the four atticotti um, as yes. well. So so that's it. Once you've got the Saxons, you do start to run out of um, run out of troops quite quickly. I suspect, uh, which yeah. is it. But that's a but no, it's 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 an interesting thing and, and i think again richard it's a good point about in period where there aren't too many impact mounted um those medium spearmen do seem to be a bit good I, I remember playing a competition in spain um against another um what was i using i think i was using one of my arab armies with um must have been umayyads or something because they had tibet allies but a huge horde of medium spearmen just lurched out of some terrain at me and my four or five Arab cavalry were kind of like going, this appears to be a lot harder than it should be, really, because <laughs> they're about 10 wide. And it was like, oh, my factors aren't as good as I hoped. What, what's going on here? I've, I've got to beat them and, and I'm just going to get sucked into this. So, yeah, I think in numbers, there's a there's a scale issue in which that, that does definitely start to work. This means war. So finally, then, in, in our fifth list of the day, it's uh, this one's a Scots one, the, you know, this mysterious, the Scots, the Irish, the people in the middle. And and again, I think this this sort of fitted in the can I give myself a challenge to get something out of, of this? Because partly I thought I wasn't keen on medium spearmen, but and then the Caledonian one is very similar to the ancient British, really. But this was just trying to, you know, dredge the bottom of of left field. But also thinking about it in in terms of an, an in period competition um, or very tightly themed in period sort of British Isles barbarian sort of competition, and and the core theory here is that that you know that little quirk in the rules in that impetuous swordsmen don't count as impact against medium swordsmen or, or against swordsmen who stand to receive. And um, so what I've, I've conjured up here is a, is a 29-unit army that um, it's got an 11, 11, and a 7. So they're all, all decent. Um, two competent generals and an ordinary one. And, and this is about absorbing um, a charge from six impetuous warriors in, in most of these things um, with a load of medium swordsmen a wider group of medium swordsmen who are either the four atticotti which is in the first command so that that first command's got four atticotti and four scots medium swordsmen ordinary so it does sit there as eight wide and say right come on and charge me and i'm i'm guessing you've got six or so um and the atticotti are going to be as good or better than you and we're actually at evens in the first round so i will win some and, and i'll lose some but but we're kind of trading off points. You know, if, if that comes up against a Roman army, that's still an eight wide, competent, rough terrain force, some of which are impetuous, some of which are not, and easier to manoeuvre to, to take advantage of any gaps. The um, 
the second one does does very much the same sort of thing um that probably goes on on the other flank or in another big piece of terrain and eight scots warriors medium swordsmen they're they're using maneuver and their ability to be controlled and and they're crossing their fingers on the the roll of a dice in a first round combat against impetuous troops who don't get the benefit of um of their um impetuous their their impact plus one because we will be standing to charge and it's going you lose 30 percent you win 30 percent you draw 30 percent but i should have some overlaps here so and, and then we just start trading off one for one um obviously furious charge still kicks in but then that's tricky and then the last bit is uh just getting something a bit more sort of solid ish but actually not that big to throw into some open space so you've got two of the saxons the heavy swordsman impetuous the levy i'm i'm not fussed about that but what i was possibly doing here was i've snuck in five fortifications because that's one of the things that this army gets and thinking actually these guys you know maybe the saxons maybe the monks maybe the medium swordsman <coughs> you could stick some of this command behind probably three fortifications or maybe five and then suddenly you're you're trying to funnel the enemy away from fortifications because people are always worried about them and, and don't want to attack them and um and get them to push into where hopefully you've you know defending in in terrain you've managed to put down a load of terrain and your two big eight wide rough terrain troops are are sat in terrain saying come on in we're wider than you and and people are sort of shying away from a from a kind of almost you know it's either going to take a long time or it's a waste of time even taking it on a couple of swordsmen um medium swordsmen so they can go out and do something if somebody tries to ignore it um you know a light chariot in there just to, to chase around as well with a general in it so it's it's pretty odd um there isn't um you know it does rely on on the opposition playing your tactic as well but it is that bit about trying to to catch someone a little bit off balance with a, a scratch of the head moment in in a theme that's going to have you know ancient brits or Picts or, or the early romans a really tightly sort of theme thing where being eight wide and being good at rough terrain hopefully neutralizes the the other disadvantages of, of just being medium swordsmen um which are a, a somewhat you know, even a more unloved troop type probably than um, the medium spear, I, I suspect, because medium spear do get some some advantages. And this is the only advantage of medium swords when it cancels impetuous impact. And and this is a period where there is impetuous impact. So so go big with them because this is this is their moment to do to do clever stuff or, or to shine to use their their one magic ability. Puzzled puzzled looks. <laughs> I think it's it's a proper shield wall, isn't it? When you talk, you've got twenty, all right, they're medium infantry on the whole, medium swordsmen on the whole, but you've got a proper shield wall, twenty wide, which is going to be a hell of a lot wider than most enemies. Um, you're going to be on the defensive, probably, um, which means your defences are quite good, and you've got a lot of light foot for that terrain, as Richard mentioned. You're going to be defend, you know, if you're defending in mountains or forests, you've got the light foot that can patrol those flanks whilst your shield wall does the job yeah there's there's the full eight actually and um it's six it's two um two slingers and six javelin men 
so there is a reason well that's a lot of light foot and, and yeah if there is any difficult that extends that 20 arguably 21 wide with the light chariot of combat troops with another six light infantry who are perfectly decent you know, or as good as anything else in in difficult terrain as well and and it is just you know try and hit the pillow please <laughs> or hit, hit the mattress two light infantry javelin in any difficult terrain whether it be a mountain a steep hill or a forest they're going to be bloody hard they, they're going to take one hell of a lot of shifting and they're going to hold that flank down so whilst the rest of the stuff goes down yeah i think it's I do think, though, that, you know, in the right circumstances, this is a very um, tough list for, for the opponent to take you down because of the size and so on. However, the, there is a d danger that, you know, if your opponent puts, say, two or three light horse against command three and focuses everything else against fundamentally 16 medium swordsmen plus some light infantry and the terrain doesn't fall very well for you oh they, no you're, they, you're in a world of hurt you're absolute world of hurt you're in a world of hurt so yeah a lot depends you know how how much of a surprise um because it's a, an interesting debate is you know when you sit down across the table from your opponent um, should you declare which option you're taking? You know, some people like to say, no, I'm, you know, all you know is that I'm using list 99. And other people say, no, you, you have to declare the year and the option. And if that's the case, and somebody knows you've got Scots rather yeah. than picked, for example, yeah. <laughs> that's going to give them quite a lot of useful intelligence in this particular situation. It's very true. No, that's that's an interesting thing. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's part of the psychology of why these are all folded into to one, you know, list ninety nine. Is that yeah. um, if, if you, if you know about any of them, it just it just makes any of them a little bit more viable um, if you're allowed to do a little bit of bluffing for for a while. But you know, but th again, this was this was attempting to make something out of out of that list. Um, you know, I, yes. I think out of out of the list, you you would with a free choice choose something else, but you know as we always do i'm i don't think this is this might not be well this isn't the best option out of this this range at all but if you are thinking of fighting a limited range of opponents this is a an option that um you wouldn't you wouldn't be confident of having lost before you sat down um with it which is probably about, which is probably about as good as you can get on that one so um yeah. and i and i suspect on um on that optimistic note, um, that probably draws us to a bit of a bit of a close on this one. Um, we'll have to have a think about which ones of these maybe we um, we give a go to on Tabletop Simulator and um, and see if that works in in another matchup. Uh, we, we've got a few more of those to do, and and I think next time around um, we're probably going to dive, as I understand it, into the Crusades um, and look at another match pair of of the Crusaders against the Arab armies because I think again that's two. A match pair that um that both of them kind of miss out on a bit of love um and, and a bit of attention but there's there's definitely something there and um, so that that will be in our next episode 